0: How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us as we're continuing this series called Mixtape. We're talking about love, sex, dating, and marriage. And we've been uh, just diving in and, and building some great things here uh, in relationships. And uh, this series has all been based on some, some ideas out of the 80s, uh, this idea that, that back in the day you used to show your love by making a mixtape. And and just by a show of hands, I'm just curious, how many of y'all have ever made a mixtape? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you made a mixtape. Okay, that makes me proud. How many of you guys have not made a mixtape? Raise your hands. Raise your hand. Wow, there are a lot of you. We're about to educate you today. We're about to help you out. uh, Because like back in the day, the way that you showed your love growing up is that you would take the time to make a mixtape of your favorite love songs. And and it, would just, it was just—it was—it was just this way to express your love and devotion for somebody else. And so, if you are a product of the '80s, maybe even the early '90s, then then you know that that there is a distinct uh, and unique way that um, between a couple of things in life. In fact, you know that if you grew up in the '80s, you know that this right here, these two things go together, don't they? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to have to Google it. But uh, like those two things back in the day, they, they went hand in hand. Your tape, get it unwind, you get the spantone, you, you put it back together. And, and growing up in the 80s, I'm a product of the 80s. I, I know that a lot of times I went to bed and, and I had this by my side. Anybody remember one of these? The old school E.T. doll, scare you to death in the middle of the night. You wake up, ah! like, what the heck is that? It's just, it's just E.T. with a beating heart. Um, I, I remember growing up asking, asking my grandma for, for some tea or, or some, some something, and, and she's serving in one of these. You guys remember those? The old school Tupperware came in two colors, brown or orange. Brown or orange, that's what you got, and, and, and sometimes, like I don't know about y'all, but my mom, she decided she's going to make a little side business going on. She decided she's going she's to make some extra money on the side, so uh, my mom started selling Tupperware. Anybody have some parents that sold Tupperware, maybe you sold Tupperware? A couple of hands are like, I'm ashamed to put my hand up right now. But I, I remember my mom started selling Tupperware, and I didn't care about it until she told me I couldn't bring my Mr. T lunchbox to school anymore, because I had to bring that right there. Most embarrassing moments of my childhood, and so, uh, and, and and you know, growing up in the '80s, like my, par- you know, parents. They didn't care about safety. I remember jumping on the trampoline uh, at our house, and it's like, man, you might be missing five or six springs on the trampoline. You guys remember jumping on the trampoline? You'd be like, just stay away from that side, because you just slide down it if you're jumping over there. Like, it just didn't matter. You just, you just did whatever you did. In fact, your parents would be like, go play outside with your brother and sister, and you go outside, and you play, like, yard darts. You remember that? Like, you're throwing these darts in the air and hoping not to kill your siblings, Murder was happening. Oh, what happened? He just got hit with a yard dart. No big deal. They're like no child protective services. And and the reason you had to play outside is because your parents didn't care about health. We didn't have the food pyramid back in the day that we paid attention to. Like our parents gave us awesome things to snack on. Like anybody remember some fun dip? Come on now. Some fun dip. If you don't know what fun dip is, it's a sugar stick that you dip into sugar. You want to know why we're playing outside? Because we're twitching from so much sugar. Like we're just going crazy. (laughs) Parents were just crazy back in the day. Uh I don't I don't know if you guys had one of these, but it, but I remember growing up and, and we we had a phone in our house. We had that old rotary phone. How many of y'all had one of the old green rotary phones on the wall? Yeah, you guys remember that? You you go in, you'd be dialing that, and 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 you'd have come home one day, and your your dad would be like, "It's family dinner time. We're not taking any phone calls today. Like we don't want anybody calling us because we didn't have caller ID back in the day." Like every phone call was a mystery of who was calling, and so like it was like hello, you know, like you just didn't know. And so, so what would happen is your dad would be like, ah, oh, we're not having any phone calls. This is this is our time. And so, this is what you did if you didn't want phone calls. You did that right there. Anybody remember that? That's called that's called eliminating phone calls. All you'd hear is and for like twenty minutes. And then as you grew up and you matured, eventually you got a phone in your room. I remember the phone in my room. It looked like this. Anybody remember that right there? Going old school here. Got the, the phone. And if you don't know, see, what, what that was is you could turn the ringer of that phone off. And what would happen is when a phone call was coming through, that phone would light up. And you'd be like, I'm getting a phone call. <laughs> be all excited about it. It's, it's awesome. I love the 80s. I love 80s. Uh, music, anybody like an 80s music, anybody an 80s music person, 80s breakup songs were the best? Yeah. When you fall, I will catch you, I'll be waiting. Time after time. Yeah, Cindy Lauper right there. Man, that was, that was the jam back in the day. I don't know if you know this or not, but like the 80s are coming back right now. Like styles are coming back around. Uh, that's that's why I'm wearing a jean jacket today because that's an '80s style right there. It's coming back around, and and just like styles come back around, just like we go back in the day a lot of things to find things. I think this we do the same thing when it comes to our relationships. We have this uh, this paradigm of we continually look back to what we've done to determine what we're going to do. And and I think that that's actually a, a bad way to. Uh, approach relationships because if if we're building our relationships looking at our past history all the time a lot of us have got some jacked up messed up past history and all we're doing is we are reproducing what we've already produced in our lives in fact a lot of us what we're doing is we're driving down the road going forward looking in the rear view mirror hoping that we don't fall into another ditch it's just crazy and we've looked at this verse in proverbs 29 18 it says, Where there is no revelation or where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint or the the people perish. And I think for all of us, we've got to get a clear vision of where we're going. And the challenge for us is, is if we don't have a vision for where we're going, we're just making decisions on the fly in life. And you've got to get a vision for where your relationship is going. You've got to get a vision of what you want your relationship to look like. Or we're just going to continue to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. That's why we told you over and over again. Here's how you build relationships. You start right here with your foundation, found it, founded on Christ. You, you get right with God. You let him work things out in you. And as you are doing that, what you do is you get in a relationship with other people. You get involved in community, and you start to build some friendships. And, and as you're in the friendship stage, you start to, get a little bit more interpersonal. You start to learn about the likes, the dislikes, the values, uh, how they use money, how they, what they believe about parenting, all of those things. Then you go to the emotional state and, and, and this is where you start to give yourself to them emotionally. And then what happens is you get married right here and then you go to the winky face emoji uh, for the physical aspect after marriage. That's how you build a healthy relationship. The problem is, is most of us have flipped this upside down, and we've started physical, and we've become extremely emotional, and we have allowed our emotions to rule our lives and make decisions. And and, and a lot of us have built our relationships off of emotions. Now, let let me ask you a question, and and just just by a show of hands, how many of y'all believe that that women are emotional and men are more rational. How many of y'all aren't going to raise your hand on any question I ask when it deals with relationship? Like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Like, a lot of people honestly believe that, that women are emotional and, and men are rational. They, they're, they're wise and that thing. But actually, psychology tells us that you cannot take emotion out of decision-making. In fact, there are people that that lack emotions, they have some psychological uh, problems, and when people lack emotion, they can't even make a decision of like, do I want a ham sandwich, or do I want a turkey sandwich? Because there is some sort of emotion involved in every decision that we make. So if emotions are involved in every decision that we make, then we've got to learn how to control our emotions. Now, the thing that I know about emotions uh, is most of us have made an emotional decision that we've regretted. Anybody made an emotional decision that they've regretted? I've, I've, I've made a lot of those. <laughs> like, how, how many hands can I get up? And the reason we make those decisions is because we don't have a vision it's why we, we say to ourselves you know what i'm going to i'm going to start being healthy uh, but we, we because we don't have a vision to be healthy we go to the we go to the, uh, a restaurant we get food we order a salad and we're like man I'm, I'm being healthy and then what does the server do he brings the dessert tray to your table and in that emotion well i was just good so i'm going to reward myself so i'll take that and i'll take that and i'll take that and why don't you throw in a milkshake with it cuz we just get emotional in that moment and we make all those decisions when we don't have a clear vision. Now, if we have a vision for our health, what we'll do is when we arrive at the restaurant, we'll tell the server, hey, listen, before you even take my drink order, I want you to know I don't want any dessert, so don't even bring that tray over here because I've got a vision for where I am going. And that way, we don't make emotional decisions. And the Bible actually has a lot to say on how we control our emotions. In fact, in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform... To the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so I've got to take all of this emotional stuff and and I've got to allow God to start to transform my mind and see the amazing thing about God's word the amazing thing I think about our church is like I'm not here to be your friend I'm here to be your pastor so I'm going to say things that you don't really want to hear the God's word is going to say them some things that are going to upset you, that are going to offend you, that are going to cause you to question some things, because that's what the God's word should do, because it goes against everything in culture. And see, a lot of times what we want to do is we want to build our life and then wrap God around our life, rather than wrapping our life around God. And so he says, man, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this right here is why so many people's lives end up in a ditch. It's because they don't know how to define God's will because they're just living on their emotions, which we, we lost an eye there. That's not good. Uh, just notice that. Um, and this weekend, we're going to talk to about something that I, it is so tied to your emotions, uh, but I think it's something that we have got to address, and we're going to be talking about sexual intimacy this weekend. And uh, and listen, if you're brand new here to Coastal, uh, man, we're so glad you're here, and I want you to know that I'm not a rude or crude, uh, you know, shock and awe kind of pastor. That's not really how I roll most of the time, I I mean, I say some crazy things, but I say those things from stage, in person, wherever, like, that's not, that's nothing new for me, and and so, um, if your kids are in here, listen, I I think this is an okay weekend for them to be in here, because the world's going to talk to them all about sex, and I think we need to hear a biblical worldview about sex, so they know the truth of the matter and the church honestly for so long has gone silent on this subject and we've been afraid to say something because we might offend somebody and you know I think the church has gone wrong partly because we always talk about restraint and we never talk about vision and if all we're doing is is talking about restraint all the time we just, I'm just realizing in life that restraint without vision never works. In fact, I put it in your notes like this. Restraint without revelation will lead to rebellion. Here's how I, I kind of look at it. If you tell somebody, don't press the button, what do they want to do? Press the button. Right. Because it's, you just, hey, just restrain yourself, restrain yourself. But if I go, hey, if I give you a vision for something, the button's there. You're not paying any attention to the button. You're paying attention to the vision. And I think one of the most critical things that we could do is we could give a vision for our sexuality. We could give a vision for our marriages. We could give a vision for what the context of sex should look like and how it should play out and how it should be this beautiful expression that God intended it to be. And I think that if you're a parent in here, one of the best things you can do as a parent is teach your kids how to make choices. I'm so thankful that my parents knew that life was all about choices. They were going to help me make wise choices. And so they always gave me choices. They always gave me some options. And they realized that they couldn't control all the choices in my life. But for the season I was in their house, they were going to give me choices to make with their options. And so they they would give me a choice. You can do what I'm telling you to do right now. Or you can sit in your room all day tomorrow. The choice is yours. They helped me build making choices. So I think, well, I, I want to play tomorrow. And so I'm going to do what my mom or my dad is telling me today because I have a vision for what I want to do tomorrow. And so I would choose to do what they were asking me to do. I was learning a principle of making wise choices. And so if I want to have a great marriage, I I need to start getting a vision of what a great marriage looks like so that when some fleeting option comes by that's in the moment, I'll go, well, I can do that right now, but that is going to cost me my relationship with Shayla, and I want to love Shayla for the rest of my life, and I want Shayla to love me for the rest of my life. So that is not an option for me. And so I want to talk about how to redefine sex because I think that sex has been kind of hijacked a little bit, and, and so I made a little uh, acronym for the word sex because I'm a pastor, and that's, that's what I do. And so the S in sex stands for supernatural. I, I believe that sex is supernatural. It's God's design. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 through 24, it says, So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of the man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and he's united to his wife and they become one flesh. See, there's this supernatural thing. God created this intimate relationship. They come together. They're two separate people. And all of a sudden, bam, supernaturally, they Become one. And they have this amazing relationship within the confines of marriage. The E stands for enjoyable. No amen? Seriously? Y'all must not be doing it right. So, uh, like, like it should be enjoyable. Man, God made this for us to enjoy it within the right parameters. When it's done in healthy boundaries, it is one of the most amazing things that you will ever experience in life, within the confines of a marriage relationship. The X stands for not X-rated, Is God created. It's only X-rated when we allow the world to dictate and define it for us. And honestly, that's exactly what the world's done. It's what they've done. Because inside of marriage, man, this is the most intimate beautiful expression of yourself and i know some people there maybe you're here for the first time or you just come here in this series and and you're so offended right now that we're talking about sex we're talking about sexual intimacy and we're we're talking about the what what marriage should look like and where sex should fall into that and and listen if you're getting offended because you think the church shouldn't talk about sex let me just tell you something you have got a cultural worldview because the world tells us that, te- this, that sex shouldn't be defined by the church. But sex is all throughout this book. It's all throughout it. Go and read the Song of Solomon. You want to get a little red face? What? Climb a palm tree? Are you kidding me? You know what the Song of Solomon is? Is It's the Old Testament R&B song. <laughs> See, the myth that the world wants us to believe is that sex is only physical. It's what the world wants us to believe. Sex is it's just a physical act. It doesn't mean anything. It's just something you do with your body. When the truth of the matter is, is sex is way more than physical. Way more. There's no such thing as casual sex. Even psychology today will tell you that's true. Sexual intimacy is tied to every single part of your being, and every psychologist will tell you your sexuality is so fragile. So fragile. A lot of reasons why people end up in counseling because they chose to do some things with their sexuality when they were young. And they've got all this hurt and they've got all this pain. They've got all this baggage that they're dragging around throughout their life because they thought that sex was just physical. And they found out that it was way more than that. And now they have trouble in every single relationship because they're still dealing with heartache they're still dealing with pain they're still dealing with all this stuff and they don't even know why and i believe that this weekend we're going to tie it back to something of our past that a lot of us are still carrying forward into our future because sex isn't just physical but it's wrapped up into every single area of our lives that's why first corinthians 6 18 says run from sexual sin no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. It's not saying that it's the worst sin. It's just saying that this, this impacts our lives differently than other sins. It, it does something deep down inside of us, and it's the reason why I can joke about my upbringing, and I can joke about the fact, man, back in the day, I used to go egg people's houses, and and I would go give myself enemas on front people's doors and get arrested by cops. It was hilarious, ha, ha, ha. But nobody goes, oh, man, my sexual history is so funny, ha, ha, ha. Do they? Nobody makes fun of that. Nobody jokes about that. Why? Why isn't it the same? Because it's so much deeper. Fact is one of the things that people call pull me aside and go, Pastor TJ, man, I can't believe what I did or what happened to me. Do you think God can forgive me? And the answer to that question is yes. Not only can he, but he wants to. And I want to deal with some of that today and show you how you can break free from some of those things. And we believe here that that God is triune in nature. Uh, He is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together as one. He is one person, and we we are made in God's image. And therefore, because we're made in God's image, we're a three-part being as well. Um, You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. You're a spirit that that has a soul that lives in a body, and so so I I, I kind of drew this little picture for you guys because I wanted you to understand this. And so here here's what you have: you have the spirit uh, of God, your three part being, uh, and what happens is is the spirit of God you, comes into your life through through you have this revelation of Jesus and the. the price that he paid for you and and your your spirit was was asleep or it was dead and all of a sudden you can come alive in christ because your spirit is awakened because of the holy spirit working in your spirit then you have a soul where are your hopes and your dreams and your your decision making kind of process in life and then you have a body which is pretty much dictated by the five senses what you see smell uh uh all, all the feel, touch, uh, experience in life, all of your senses that are out there. And, and God designed you that way. There's nothing wrong with those feelings, but you make decisions based on what feels good, what tastes good, what seems good, what, what, what uh, comforts you in those moments. And so it's one of the reasons why you can be in a conversation with somebody and they can have stanky breath and you don't want to be in a conversation with them. Why? Because it doesn't feel real good. You want to pop a Tic Tac in their mouth. Uh, that'll make that conversation feel better. And so, so when you're not in a relationship with God, what happens is, is you're making decisions based on whatever makes you feel good. So because your spirit isn't alive yet, uh, it, it's, you're, you're just going, hey, what feels good in life? And, and when you make decisions based on what feels good, you can have the best of intentions, but you're going you're gonna to make some catastrophic mistakes. Because what feels good in life doesn't always turn out real good in life. But what happens is you realize that you have a sin nature and you need, to be, you need to be saved as what we would call it when you find a relationship with Jesus. All of a sudden, your spirit awakens in your life. And all of a sudden, it starts to give life to that aspect. And all of a sudden, you're getting information From God's perspective, you're getting information from God's word, you're getting information from revelation, and then you're getting information from your senses that are going to your soul where you choose to think. It's why some of us have have been saved, but not set free. Because our spirit's been saved, but our body is still a heathen. Some of you guys are like, man, I thought when I gave my life to Christ, all of a sudden I wouldn't deal with any of that stuff anymore. No. Because there is this battle that is going on within you. That's why Paul says in Romans, man, uh, uh, man, I'm beating my body. I'm fighting. There's this internal battle going on within me every single day. It's because it's the spirit of God is giving me this information. And, you know, R. Kelly telling me, my mind telling me no. But my body, my body. You think R. Kelly came up with that? That's scriptural. There's this battle going on. And so we have lots of people that are saved, but not set free. Why? Because they have forgiveness of their sins, but not healing from it. Because the Bible says that healing comes from people. Well, I thought all I needed was God. Well, you need God for one part, and then God says, you know what? You're going to need some people in your life. You're gonna need some people to come around you. He tells us that in James chapter five. He, he, he tells us that in the beginning of Genesis, it's not good for man to be alone. And some of us were walking through life and we've been saved, but we haven't been set free because we have some soul ties that are holding, that are just got us ingrained. And, and I'm not teaching this as, as, as doctrine. Uh, Don't misunderstand me, Um, but as a way of helping us understand that you can get tied to somebody and be far from them, have not seen them in years and still be emotionally tied to that person, and that former relationship can have an impact on your current relationship and your future relationships and can open up your life to all manners of crazy and so I believe that God wants to bring some of us healing today. And so I, I want to illustrate this uh, through TJ's cooking show here today. Um, welcome, your host TJ McCormick. Come on, yeah. And so, 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 what happens in life is, uh, say you're just hanging out at the club. You know, you're just out there on a, a Friday night kicking it, and uh, you know, you 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 see this 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 other girl, and you walk over. Hey, how you doing? you doing? Good. What are you doing? Just looking for chicks. (laughs) I'm here all day. Here all day. What's your name? Jim. What's your name? Lakeisha. Dude, she's white. Okay. So they get to talking, you know, they're just they're just kicking it. They're they're having some good conversation and before long Jim invites Lakeisha back to his apartment and you know and and because they they want to fully express themselves, what they do is they decide that they're gonna rid themselves of this this outer shell that's so overwhelming. And so they they decide that they want to have a full expression of their love and and so that they get together and they decide, man, we're just going to mix it up tonight. We're just going to have a good time. We're going to get jiggy with it. You know, they got some Will Smith on. And, uh, man, they're just having a good time. Uh, they're enjoying themselves, expressing themselves. Because, listen, fornication, awesome. Adultery, unbelievable. Some of you guys are like, what kind of church are we going to right now? Because here's the deal. The Bible tells us that sin is pleasurable for a season. Like, it seems awesome in that moment. And you think to yourself, man, this is the, this is the, we've got a connection. Man, I've never felt this way about anybody. And for six weeks to 18 months, man, they they are connected. Because that's how long it says that in love stage kind of goes down. And so they're connected on levels like they've never connected before. Fireworks. Explosions. But that six weeks to eighteen months, something eventually happens and they realize, man, we don't we don't really connect that well. And whether it's amicably or in some other way, they decide that they're gonna part. And so, oh, I'm gonna take my half and I'm gonna I'm gonna go somewhere else. The only problem is The two became one, and as much as they want to split apart now, it's pretty hard to separate. It's pretty hard to unblend yourself from somebody that you've blended yourself with. And what happens is, is before we even know it, we've gotten wrapped up in this relationship and we've started building all of this together and we're tied ourselves up to that person and and we we, we just we just think oh it's no big deal man it's just it, we're just we're just we're together but we've separated now and so so we've separated so that that person doesn't come with me anywhere but the reality is is they're 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 going with you everywhere and what happens is is a soul tie is a bond that becomes bondage in your life what happens is you go to the altar to marry somebody else and you have no idea that you're bringing some other people into the relationship that aren't even there at that wedding. And then when things aren't going the way that you thought they were going, instead of looking to him, you start looking back to them. And it plays out in, in three predominant ways. There's there's three kinds of soul ties that I see over and over again. There's the, the controller. And, and I'm not talking about a, a husband and wife that are married and one of them's controlling If the, If that's what's going on in your relationship, you need to go get some counseling. Go to some counseling. I'm talking about you're in a relationship and uh, you start to lose yourself in that relationship. You start to lose your identity. And like, you start saying things like, I, I can't imagine my life without them. Like, I don't even know who I am anymore. All of a sudden, you're in... That relationship, you, you say to yourself, I can't live without them. Listen, a healthy relationship, you should be able to live without them. I can live without my wife. I don't want to. but well, you should be able to do that. And what happens is they end up controlling every area of your life. They control your relationship. They control conversations. They control everything. To the point where you have lost your identity, your worth, and your value. Second one there is the heartbreaker. Somebody you loved, and they broke up, and they moved on, but you never did. You've been living in the rear view mirror of that relationship. And you tell people, no, 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 you don't understand. They were the love of my life. No, they were a love in your life. And if you'll allow God to come and start to give you a vision for your life, you'll find out that he's got a love that's even better for your life. But I've literally talked to to people that are like, man, I'm just waiting for this one. I'm waiting for God to bring this relationship back to me. And I'll be like, but aren't they married to somebody else? Yeah, but I'm just praying for it. Like God's going to break his covenant over there, so you can have what you want. But the last one is the worst one, and it's the memory maker. And I think it's the most dangerous one of them all. And this is the one where you can be happily married to somebody else and things are going good, but all of a sudden you hear that song and it starts to remind you of that person in the past. You think, I oh, man, I haven't thought of her in forever. I haven't thought about him since college. I wonder what they're doing now. I'd, I'd love to reconnect and just see what's going on. And because that's what we do and that's how our society is, we decide, man, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go jump on Facebook. And what ends up happening is, is at 2 in the morning while your spouse is asleep next to you, you're scrolling and trolling just seeing what they're up to. You say, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not interested, I just want to see what's going on in their lives, and you're rekindling an old soul tie, and in a moment of anger or frustration with your current spouse, you'll be like, they would have never done that to me. Do you know that 78% of divorces cite social media as a reason? Because we have a tie and we have a bond that has become bondage. And I believe that God is here, and he wants to set us free, and I'm running out of time, so I'm going I'm to give you six keys to severing the ties real quick. Number one, it starts right here. It starts with your relationship with God. It's all about your relationship with God. It begins with your relationship with God. That's why we say, man, every single week, man, it's all about this first. How are you doing with God? How is your relationship with God? Because if your relationship with God isn't good, those bonds, those ties, will wrap you up, and you will not be able to hear God's voice. And so, we have to continuously get to this place where we're seeking first the kingdom of God, where we're seeking God's heart first and foremost in our lives. Number two, we got to repent and confess. Repent literally means turn 180 degrees, go in the opposite direction, do an about face and go, you know what? I'm not going to continue to look to the past of what has happened, but I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to allow God to move me past. He's already forgiven me of what's happened in the past, and I'm going to move forward. I'm going to stop reminding him of my past, and then confess. Talk to somebody about it. Go find somebody that's spiritually further ahead, and talk to them. Don't talk to somebody that's behind you spiritually about it. Number three, release and restore. Ask God to release you from everything that you said, because we'll say some crazy things in a relationship, like, oh, man, I'm, my heart is yours Forever. Your words have power of life and death in them. Like, listen, if we're 45 and we're not happy, let's find each other. Ask God to release you from all of those promises and start to restore some new promises in your life. Some of you, you're suffering from some self-esteem and identity issues. You need to ask God to start to restore your identity. God, make me and created me in your image. Number four, remove all the mementos. In trinkets. Listen, every December, don't get your old boyfriend's sweater and just wear it and say, oh, it's just comfortable. No, no, no. That's a, You're continually going back to that. You think I'm joking. You've got some jewelry that, oh, this is so sentimental to me. No, that's a tie. That you're continuously going back to. Stop pining for something that God wants to do something new in. God can't fill what you won't let go of. Number five, rejoice, man. You just gotta be, start becoming grateful for what God is doing. No, then number six, repeat. Because if you've battled once, you're gonna battle again. I promise you that. If, if the enemy's tripped you up once, he's gonna trip you up again. That old song's gonna come on. That, that, that is gonna pop up on Facebook. And before long, you'll start to assign past pain to a present relationship. Or worse, so you'll take present pain. And just think, if I just had that, then everything would be okay. And I think that that's what keeps a lot of us from being healed. And we need to break free from those soul ties here today. Allow God to radically set us free. And here's the good news. Uh, Romans three twenty three says, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious Standard. We've all messed up. We've all screwed up in life. But the good news is, is, is that First John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. What does that mean? God will forgive you. God will forgive you. God will begin the restoration process. There is no sin that's too big. There is no sin that's too great. Susie, if you want to make your way up, there is nothing that's too big. And, and for a lot of people, the question is, is not, can God forgive me? The question most of us have to answer is, is can I forgive myself? Because the reason a lot of us are holding on to things isn't because God can't forgive you. Because God has said, man, I'm quick to forgive. The question is, is can you let go of the pain and the mistakes and the decisions that you've made and receive God's love, receive God's joy, receive God's grace that he's just longing to give to you? Because God is holding out his arms. He's saying, here it is. All you got to do is run to me. So no matter how far you've been, no matter how deep you feel entangled, I'm telling you God is here today and he wants to set you free. Would you bow your heads in prayer?